This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown, touchdown Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass. Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open. Julio Jones has it. And in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I am Don Banks, one of your co-hosts, joined by my co-host, Nick Stevens. Latest no, the greatest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast, because every next episode is our greatest episode ever. We do have a good episode today. We're going to be joined by Tony Dungy, um, obviously a Hall of Fame coach with the Colts and the Bucks, and a Sunday Night Football analyst. Uh, Tony will be along in just a little bit. But man, what a week 13 it was for, for interesting topics, some depressing topics. Um, we, had snow glo- we had snow globe in the standings, and we had off-field... Madness. Now, when we I had say a co- sno- and we had a coach fired, and we and we and d- people speculated, but I think sort of like tongue in cheek, like, "Hey, McCarthy could go." You never right. know because I know right. it looks like it's his swan song in Green Bay. But to have him go out as ingloriously as a Week 13 firing, following a three point loss at home with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback when you're a 14 point favorite. So oh. someone said to me. Why'd they do it now? I said, all right, stand back here, and you're a Green Bay Packer, uh, uh, I don't know, what do they call them, trustees, board board members. You lost a December home game at Lambeau to the two-win, warm-weather Arizona Cardinals. It's it's a wonder only McCarthy The defensively fired. adequate, offensively anemic right. Arizona Cardinals. Right. Lowest scoring team in the NFL, yeah. entering week yes. 13. But, man, so obviously we had the Kareem Hunt saga Friday afternoon, Friday evening. Uh, We had Mike McCarthy's dismissal Sunday evening. And we had, I mean, weird games. We had the Dallas Cowboys winning a defensive struggle Thursday night. That was a great watch, by the way. I watched that in the airport at LAX before I boarded a little red-eye flight. And who says defensive football is dead? It, that was the most exciting game of the week by far. Right. I so thought that was dynamite. So well, and the Sunday night football was pretty great. There's too. your answer to Rams 54, Chiefs 51, or whatever it was. Cowboys 13, Saints 10. There's your uh, polar opposite. It can still be interesting, intriguing, must watch football. So we had that result. We had Jacksonville 6 nothing over Indy when the Colts had won five in a row and were rolling. It was a triple A baseball game. We had Carolina going down again. For That's a why I refer week. to the standings as a snow globe because it's like every Turned four, five, six, down. and just That's shaken true. by a, a toddler. That's true. I didn't get that, but I understand now. You had, I mean, it was just a weird week. It, it was, it was uh, the Chargers going into Pittsburgh. Security blanket, in other words. Yeah, I said that. Thank you. Twenty-three Tony. to seven at the half. As Pittsburgh looks to get back on track following last week's emotional junk punch of a Big Ben last-minute interception, which, by the way, we, we cutting out a Pittsburgh dad and everybody else. After out there Cordell Patterson, is it a, is it a junk punch or is it a junk squeeze or what? I, is I, I, listen, I don't need no grown man's blank and blank and blank in my <laughs> face. And by the way, the, is anyone else? Is any other team 
on a greater soundbite no. or printable quote hot streak than the Patriots no. from Corderell Patterson last week with his I don't need I'm a grown man. I don't need no man's blank in my face to Belichick this week on the sidelines with the old broadcasting live from WSTFU to Adam <laughs> Thielen. Awesome. I thought they were holiday uh, pleasantries. Uh, that's my coach. <laughs> um, but it was it was an epic week 13 for just kind of a... I can't stand it. Run it again. Huddle up and run it again, Brady. <laughs> I bet Derek Mason saw that and was like, yeah, I've been on the other end of one of those before. Who? I mean, it sounds like that line's quite long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it... It did. Uh, can I just say, back to that Dallas game real quick, uh, before we touch on the other Chargers and welcome in Tony Dungy. Uh, the Dallas defense, because of their speed. Shut up, Redmond. Your is going to be running next. <laughs> Kevin's out of um, control. Coach. Kevin no, Collins out of control. J.R. Redmond, man. Wow, that's a, that's a nice deep dive F-bomb from the coach. Uh, right now, if I had to just pick a rookie of the year, not defensive rookie of the year, Leighton Vander Esch, that yeah. kid is Everywhere he is, he, he has been remarkable. I mean, he is he, shooting straight up into the top five in the not to be done until, of course, the spring when we're hurting for NFL topics here <laughs> on Cover Two. When we redraft the 2018 class, Vander Esch, I think, is the fastest mover up the board right now. You know, they talk about linebackers being sideline to sideline. This kid really is sideline. He's like so athletic that he closes. On the ball carry, it's just like, there he is again. I think that's what the Patriots thought they were getting years ago with Shea McClellan. Yeah. When well, they signed him from the, when they got him from the Bears. Was he a Boise State guy? Yeah. Same size, same right. everything. Right. And all he did was ninja leap the line once in oh, right. Indianapolis. Did a little matrix jump. That was pretty cool. Which was pretty cool. And then, of course, now that's illegal because it's fun. Right. Uh, no, Vander Esch is great, but... I thought you were going to say, honestly, I thought you were going to say Derwin James, the Chargers' safety, who is everywhere for them. He's their he, best defender, he's, defensive player. He was my pick for Defensive Rookie of the Year, one of the only calls I made early in the season here I on Cover 2. Yes, that's true. And yeah. I realize Bose, Bose is back, but he's not quite 100% yet. But, um, Phil, but I was so impressed with the Chargers' running game Yeah, without Melvin Gordon. Yeah, That Eckler-Jackson combo in the second half was yeah. excellent. Phillip Rivers... Somehow, off his back foot, between two people, can sidearm a ball it's ugly. that's not a spiral into the tightest window. I know. Watson could not, like, there are not algorithms that could design passes that he's somehow able. I to- really believe that's where the sidearm motion comes into uh, to be a benefit for him. Somehow he doesn't get those things knocked down, even though they're like, they're low level, heat seeking little missiles, you I know? Love it. Yeah. And he finds a little crack where the running back is in front of the linebacker and and can pick up 8 yards on that. It's he's having a great year. I'll I'll give him that. I'm not I'm not talking MVP, but he's having a great year. Don Banks NFL head coach. Right now, divisional round. Who are you more afraid, a scared of playing? The Chargers. Divisional round? Yeah, let's say divisional round. Divisional round. You would you be more nervous getting ready and game planning for these Chargers or the Chiefs knowing what they just went through? And they're less dangerous. Well, I'd say the Chiefs because the Chiefs are going to be home. But, uh, you know, I, I get your point. I thought you were going to say, you know, in the first round, who's who's the fifth or sixth seed that you should fear? And I think it's Seattle right now. I Over the Chargers. 
Well, yeah, I do. I think that I think the Seattle. I mean, the Chargers could still turn back into the Chargers once they reach the playoffs. Look around, realize they're in the postseason. Seattle's not going to be intimidated if they have to go to Dallas. They won't be intimidated if they have to go to Chicago. They won't be intimidated. Which are both absolute clear the schedule quality wild card weekend games. Yes, I don't know. I for some reason I feel like Pittsburgh with those nineteen offsides by Joe Hayden and everyone else that was as comical. they just kept marching the Sandy the. The Carson Chargers, the L.A. Chargers kicker in five yards at a time. Yeah. I feel like somehow Pittsburgh was able to magically like put a reverse hex on the Chargers kicker now, and all of a sudden they like took away all the bad juju. That was like a Monty Python skit. It was a bad, it was a bad routine. It three was... times in a row. And they weren't just barely offside. They no. were like three to five yards offside. But but they, they said, you know what? They blew a false start early in the game we're just by that keep much. Doing it. So I'm going to at least you know get a good early start on this. And um, only Pittsburgh could be so offside that they, on the last one, they overlept. I've never seen that. that huh? He literally was past the kicker. I love that Collinsworth made sure he pointed that out three times, that he was past, past the, kicker. the kicker. It went behind him. Uh, he was too early. A veritable Zapruder film. That was well, back into the left. That's right. Um, yeah, it was it, not a good weekend for NFL officiating either. From bad spots to obvious calls that were missed. There's been a good weekend for. Well, NFL there are good, and then or, there are bad, and then there are horrible. When we all right, when we don't hear from them or about them, those are technically. Good weekends for NFL. Yeah, I, I'd say there's some gaffes every week, but this week seemed to be particularly bad. Um, it, there just was, I mean, some obvious calls from, look, spotting the ball is always a game. It's right. just your best guess. But I thought there were some egregious, egregious spots on key first downs. Um, so, you know, the league lost a lot of of official talent this offseason, right? Mm-hmm. So it, we may be we may be understanding now where that discrepancy uh, is showing up in the 2018 regular season. All right, now we want to join uh, our guest on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens, Tony Dungy, as promised, Hall of Fame coach of the Colts and Bucks and the Sunday Night Football analyst. Good morning, Tony. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I love it, and there couldn't be a better place for me to be than the Cover 2 podcast, <laughs> so I love that. You said That's it. right. I guess we named this podcast after you, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> if it was the Tampa 2, maybe we would have... We would have named well, it after you. You know, as you know, Don, it didn't start in Tampa. They, That's they true. It goes all the way back to Pittsburgh. So That's cover true. Cover two is just fine. That is true. Tony, you want to jump right into the, the topics du jour in the NFL. Obviously, and I always catch you and Rodney going back and forth on Sunday Night Football. I'm going to play Rodney Harrison today and agree that the timing of the Mike McCarthy firing, which you were strongly opposed to not letting him finish out the season— I'm going to make the case that it was a favor to Mike. I think he not only has to, you know, he gets to avoid the indignity of suffering through the the constant hot seat coverage that was going to drip, drip, drip over the next month, but he also gets a chance to recharge his batteries and perhaps put his best foot forward um, in terms of his own coaching candidacy when openings are out there. But explain to me why you felt so strongly and made such a strong case that you felt like letting him go with four weeks in the season was not the correct move to me that that's something that you do you hire a coach a young coach and it doesn't work out and you go through two years and you just haven't won and you say you know what we're going to try something else we're going to move forward that's one thing but not a coach who's been there 12 years who's given you nine playoffs uh, and a super bowl i just don't think that's the way you do it to me that would be like 
I'm coaching Adam Benatari now, and he goes into a slump. And in the middle of the third quarter, I just say, you know what, Adam, you haven't hit these last four or five. I'm going to let the punter kick this field goal. Even though we're behind 30 to nothing, uh, I just think it's time to make a change. You don't do that in that situation. To me, the better thing would have been, hey, I, I even go to Mike McCarthy if I'm the Mark, Mark Murphy and say, here's what I'm going to do. This is going to end at the end of the year. I want you to know that, but you're going to go out on your terms. And now if Mike says, you know what, I'll make an announcement. I'm throwing it in right now. We need a new voice. It's time for me to step down. That's one thing. Or maybe uh, Mike says, I'll make an announcement now. Hey, these are my last four games. I'll be the lame duck, but I'm going out on my terms. You give him that dignity. You don't say, hey, it's time to cut the cord like you're some guy who hasn't done anything for the organization. I just didn't didn't think that was correct. So, in in other words, you it was very important. You thought it would be Mike's choice, and let yeah. Mike have his choice as well as to the timing of it. Yes, and at the end of the year, you you know, you, hey, we mutually agree that it's time to step down, or you know, hey, Mike doesn't agree, and and we made the decision in January, you know, after the season was over, and we we looked at everything, but you just, I mean. Tell me a coach who's won a Super Bowl who's gotten let go in the middle of the season. I, I just I can't think of one. That's a good point. I was going to, uh, not to go down this road too long, but I was thinking back to late in the 01 season, your final year of six years in Tampa, and I was no longer a Bucks beat writer by that point. However, I remember, I mean, you kind of had to coach, and you were coaching this team into the playoffs. You had to coach around at least – rumors that you may be oh, on the absolutely. hot seat. Yeah. And you had already accomplished quite a bit for an organization that had been down for 20 years. I mean, in a way, can you put yourself in Mike McCarthy's shoes in this instance and say, yeah, it wasn't very fun to work in those final days in Tampa with kind of that cloud over my head? Yeah, it's all swirling and the speculation, and you have to deal with that, and Mike would have had to deal with that in this last month of the season. But to me... That's better off, and the organization saying, you know what, Mike McCarthy did a lot for us. He's our guy. We'll make a decision at the end of the year where we're going to go. But Mike is our coach now, uh, as opposed to, hey, we need a new voice, and the body language is bad, and we've got to get a head start. So you get a three-week head start. You're going to talk to the same coaches. You're going to talk to Josh McDaniels at at the end of the year anyway. Um, You know, so – Getting this head start, I, I just didn't buy that. All right. Joined with uh, by Tony Dungy uh, on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Tony, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, the Kareem Hunt story, an ugly one, explodes. And um, I think the, the big takeaway, obviously the Chiefs cut ties with the young man. Two different instances of him being involved in other situations now have surfaced. How does the NFL look after not even interviewing him? Because to me, in light of Ray Rice four years ago, I have a hard time wrapping my head around how they could have let it let it lie, even though they did try to talk to the victim. They did try to talk, uh, tr- try to get the video from the uh, hotel. In the final analysis, they did not even interview Kareem Hunt. Is there any excuse for that? There's, there's no excuse for that. The NFL looks bad from, from that standpoint. And I know you've got policies, you've got procedures, but you have rules. And if you have a rule that could have been violated, it's up to you to figure out if it it did or didn't. Uh, I said on our show the other night, if I had a team rule, I have a rule of 11 p.m. curfew. 
and someone, I don't care who called the office and says, one of your players, Peyton Manning, was out after curfew. Okay, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to try to get our security people on it and figure out what happened, but the first thing I'm going to do is call Peyton Manning into my office and say, were you out after curfew? It's not hard. <laughs> and I'm going to hear it right from the horse's mouth. Now, he may tell me the truth, he may not, but I'm going to start my investigation with that. So for the NFL to not ask Kareem Hunt if he was involved in this allegation, I think is utterly ridiculous. Are we left, is a reasonable person thinking logically left with the impression that the NFL perhaps didn't want to know everything about this and didn't push it? Is there any other conclusion we can come to when we find out what their choices were? I think the conclusion is they want to have a procedure and they want to uh, allow law enforcement to work and they want to work with law enforcement. And when it came down to, well, you know, there were no charges pressed, no one took it any farther, so we didn't, Uh, I think it, it really falls into line of just going along with the system. But sometimes when you're the parent, you don't go along with the system. When you're the head coach, you know, you, you don't go just ride along with the system. You be proactive and you figure out what happened. Tony, do you think Kareem Hunt will get a second? I know it's early. I mean, it's only been, uh, she's five, four days now, and the new videos have just surfaced. But do you think he gets a second chance, or is he going to end up wandering down that similar road to Ray Rice where he's toxic to a team and a community? No, I, I think he'll get a second chance. Uh, I think he'll, let me say this, possibly get a second chance. I think it depends on him. Uh, I look back at Michael Vick, and that was a toxic situation. And obviously, Vick went to prison. He did some other things, though, to rehabilitate himself, and he was remorseful. And he came across, and there was only one team. You know, without Andy Reid and and without uh, Jeff Murray, maybe he doesn't get a second chance. But they believed that, that he had taken those steps to change, and they believe that he still had talent. I think there's going to be 32 teams that believe Kareem Hunt still has talent, and now it's going to be incumbent on him to let people know that I have changed. He had the interview where he said, this is not me, but from all appearances, it does seem that it is him right now, and so he's got to change that, and he's got to be effective in letting the NFL community believe that he's changed. And then if he does, I think someone will take a chance because he is talented. Yeah, he's very talented, and it's going to be a very short leash, and sometimes guys uh, know exactly what to do when they're on that short leash, and sometimes, unfortunately, they wrap it around themselves, and that's the end. But we've had guys come back from vehicular homicides and a a lot of, you know, severe problems. So uh, this is a tough one right now. Uh, Right now, I don't see anybody in the near, near future. But if Kareem Hunt takes some steps and does some things and comes across as truly remorseful, I think time, he, time heals a lot of wounds. Up here in New England right now, we got someone on a very short leash who may have done a lot less in the court of public opinion but is doing a great job like Josh Gordon is. Speaking of which, here in New England, on a slightly lighter note, uh, Coach, uh, I wanted to know, have you ever had an exchange of uh, what we'll call holiday pleasantries like uh, Coach Belichick and Adam Thielen did on (laughs) Sunday afternoon? I missed it if you have, Tony. I have not with a a player on another team, no, No. but I have seen it, and I've been involved in those and, and watched them uh, comically, and I was trying to, we were doing the show, I'm trying to figure out what Adam Thielen was so upset about. 
he felt like they were faking an injury. Yep. He thought that was a, a little below, beneath the Patriots. Who knows what happened, but, uh, you know, those, those, that was a funny little exchange. Yeah. Tony, you still live in Tampa, and with Jameis Winston putting two really strong games together, two wins, two no-turnover games, it seems like the pendulum, I didn't think it could, it's swinging back once again. Is it your sense that they're starting to believe in Winston again? Is two games enough? Do you think that they might be thinking maybe he is still our future? After all, it's easier to not make that change and not go searching for another franchise quarterback after all we've invested. Well, I think the team, the players especially, always believed in Jameis. I think the coaching staff was trying to get that across, that, hey, you've got to protect the ball. We don't need to highlight real plays every single play. Uh, you can be our quarterback without being spectacular. And uh, that's what Jameis has to learn. Now, uh, he's going to have a test here in these next couple of weeks with uh, you know the Saints coming in, and now the pressure is going to be on, feeling like we've got to put 48 points up again to, to win this game. And then you have the Ravens with that tremendous defense, and uh, can you make plays against that type of pressure? So we'll, we'll see in the next couple of weeks, but... Don, you know the history down here, yep. and never a second uh, contract for a Bucks uh, first yeah. round quarterback, correct? And Steve Young uh, going leaving here, appearing to be not a great quarterback, going to be uh, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Doug Williams going, not getting the second contract, going on to be a Super Bowl MVP. So there is precedent for it, and that's that's what we've got to find out with Jameis, and and I think these next four weeks will tell a lot. You presided over, or rather previewed, and then wrapped up uh, a great Sunday night football game this week that saw the Chargers stage an improbable comeback. I, I, I thought that just really put a bow on a fascinating and very entertaining Week 13. But more to the point, instead of focusing on the Chargers, uh, who are making quite a surge right now, is this the unraveling? Is this the annual December confusion and frustration settling into Pittsburgh right now because on paper that team and as we've seen this season they have enough talent to win these games but they keep making so many mental mistakes and they're coming undone late in the game now that's a better team than seven four and one yeah it's really surprising to see that when you've got veterans throughout the lineup veterans on offense and defense and the errors that allow people to to get back in the game. Now, you have to say this one was not as much they're doing. Uh, when you have a, just an unfortunate situation, Joe Hayden's got an interception that's probably going to lock up the game, and his own man trying to make a play pops it up to Keenan Allen for a touchdown. Then you've got two touchdowns that, that should not have been right. touchdowns, a false start penalty and a block in the back right in the open field. So you've got three scores that are kind of fluky scores. But you also have Pittsburgh not putting them away. Ben Roethlisberger missing wide-open receivers. Uh, defensive breakdowns in the second half that weren't there in the first half. So uh, I, I, if you're a Steeler, a former Steeler like I am, you do get frustrated with the errors and, and this team maybe not playing up to its talent level. Tony, last question, we'll let you go. I, you, you said something, you treated something at the beginning of that Rams-Chiefs game. You said if, you know, if the refs keep calling them like this, we're going to see 100 points tonight, and you were only off by five. There was 105 points that game. <laughs> but it got me thinking, um, you, as a former collegiate Gophers quarterback and then a defensive back and defensive coach in the league for so long, do you 
believe at this point that all the rule changes that have been made to help the offense might be hurting the NFL product overall in, in that maybe they've altered the rules too far to encourage scoring and made the game a little too simplistic at this point? Well, I'll tell you what it what it goes back to is how the coaches and really the ownership view things. 1978, they made some changes to spark the passing game. And you had, I remember Chuck Noll, we, we changed from a defensive run game oriented group to, hey, we're going to throw the football because the rules encourage that. So now we unleash Bradshaw and Swan and Stallworth and, and unleash this tremendous passing game, and everybody was looking for that. And I think that's what you're getting now, and, and I think it is going to be to the detriment of the game. John Gruden got criticized for trading Khalil Mack, but I think he sat there and looked at it and said, you know what, the best defensive player maybe in football might not help me win as much as uh, a couple of offensive weapons. So I'm going to trade this star player and stock up, and we're going to get some offensive weapons, and we're going to outscore people. Well, if everybody takes that mentality, uh, the game is going to change, and I think you're seeing that. You're, you're seeing it change, and that 54-51 game was very, very exciting. But uh, I think we're losing something. Uh, we, we are losing something if the mentality goes that way. I bet you enjoyed Dallas and the Saints as a counterbalance. Loved it. <laughs> I loved it. It was a great game. And as a matter of fact, I, I tweeted out before that game, I, I want to see if defense can win. Can these guys who are playing excellent defense, can they really slow down the, the best offense in football? And they showed that you can yeah, they played a style. They ran it. They took time off the clock on offense. They rushed the passer. They were physical. All the things that you like to see. And you know what? We had an exciting, low-scoring game that the defense won the game. So it, it was great to see that. I, I think our game this Sunday is going to be the same way. Can the Rams play defense? And if Mitch Trubisky doesn't play, use that same style. Let's run the ball, slow it down. Not let Chase Daniel throw it all over the field, but let's try to win a low-scoring game in the elements, and uh, we'll see if it can happen. Yeah, that's true. You have the game of the week once again. Tony Dungy has been our guest on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Tony, thanks so much for joining us yet again. Love to talk to you once every football season, and uh, all the best to Lauren and the kids. Hey, thank you very much, Don. Let's do it a little more often. All right. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for joining us. Happy holidays. Be well. Happy holidays. Um, You know, he makes a great point. in that <laughs> the rules now are tweaked so far yep. that, great, you, you, if you love the 54-51 game and we all couldn't take our eyes off of it, um, don't, let, don't let the pendulum swing so far, though, that that doesn't feel special. I don't want to watch that game every week. I really don't. I, I, th- I think it would, it would lose some, mm-hmm. some uniqueness. And, yes. and, and just, but but it's, it felt just as unique to watch the 13-10 to 10 game. It did. And I'll tell you, the highest-rated NFL game of the 2018 season now is officially a game that also registered as an under. Sunday's 425 broadcast of Patriots-Vikings wasn't exactly the shootout that some of us or many of us thought it was going to be. I thought 50 points or more would have been scored. Only 34 points scored. And it was largely – there was some some good defensive play by Minnesota. Patriots played their best defensive game of the season. The defense – uh, it wasn't quite the old cocktail party defensive scheme, but they did a lot of nice misdirection, and they dis- uh, they they you know they disguised some blitzes, and it was a fun game to watch. But 
ratings were high, really, really high on that game. I think that people would actually like to see it was a football game. Yeah, I, I want to see, see football again. I, I want to see okay, both. both. Okay. I want to see games decided with great defense. I want to see games decided two great shootout offenses. But I don't. I I I feel like you can sit down in front of your TV and you can lay odds, and three out of four times you're going to get the offense. Maybe five out of six times. Right. And and to me, that's the the ratio is out of whack. Basically, yeah, I don't want every game to be you know Madden with the defensive controls turned off or like basically just Fortnite, the football edition, like just right. absolute. Yeah, chaos. I, I thought the Pats game, the Vikings game, was painful to watch. Did you really? But it was a brick fight for three quarters of it. Yeah. But did like you think the Patriots that scored on the first drive and they pretty much did nothing till the end of the third? Quarter. They went to sleep until the end of the third. Yeah, and the Vikings s- offense don't even get me started. Like you know, three yards across the middle when you're down two scores. Why do you think it held the rating then so high? I don't know. I think the, the everyone matchup, loves watching the bad guy. I think people think the Vikings are better than they are. I don't think the Vikings are very good. I I think they're playoff team right now. Not crazy. I think they're down. I mean, they're not the same team. You you know what we I, we forget about is they lost. Tony Sparano, right before the season opened, off their um, coaching staff. That's I right. wonder. I wonder if that we're going to look back and say that was a larger story than we even realized. Because you're right, Minnesota's never hit its but stride this season. I, I expected Cousins to come in here with Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph against Pat Chung, and move the ball. And other than it. that one drive at the end of the first half, they did nothing. But that wasn't, and a that hel- was a momentum. Wasn't a drive. healthy Diggs. It wasn't. A, I mean, yeah. that wasn't Diggs they at just home. Did nothing. No, they did a good job though on Thielen. They did a good job on Rudolph. I thought I, for a change, it may be good to actually pay due deference to the Patriots, who five games in a row now have not allowed a 300 yard or more passer, and nine games in a row have held the opposing rushing well, to let, 100 yards or less. Let me ask you this, because I was going to ask Tony, and we ran out of time. It feels like we're, we look up, it's December, the Pats are exactly where they want to be, and we've, I mean, we have seen this. We know our way home from here. It's like, wow, after all the you know, angst about the three road losses and See what, in Atlanta. what was missing in, uh, offensively. So you're our, you're our resident Your dream, Kev. Pats file. Tell yep. me, are you feeling this 9-3 and three Pats team is capable of? Of doing everything you hope it can do? Absolutely. Yeah. At this point now, I would be a fool to say otherwise. What am I going to say? Let's let's wait for the uh, – here comes the, another road shoe. They're getting to healthy. Dro- to drop. They're, they're as healthy as they're going to be. Right. Rex Burkhead just came back. They can throw him into the mix now to take a little miles off – a few miles off the tires of Sony Michelle and James White. Tom Brady is, I guess, as healthy as he he's can got, be. He's all got that huge considered. record out of, off his mind. That, right. That, that Finally, now he can he can he can quarterback without the burden of having to achieve his dream. That last yard yards. was tough, but but and the defense is playing as well as you can probably hope this defense to play. Right. And I think they found a slot corner in J.C. Jackson, number twenty-seven, number one in your hearts. The how about this? This just for a second. Think of this: eighteen straight winning seasons. That's insane. It is eighteen straight winning Dallas, seasons. Dallas. Had twenty from sixty six through whatever. Do the uh, math. But that, that NFL is not this 85. NFL. No, it's thirty two teams, engineered parity, salary, salary cap, cap yep. and they have eighteen straight winning seasons. Now I fully understand why the rest of the league and the rest of sports obsess over when and if. Yeah, are we there yet? It's going are we end. there yet? Are we there yet? I mean, look, look what happened when they decided to start throwing the ball down the field. I mean, Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, by the way, is the new Gronk. Now, when I say that, that's not just to be sort of glib or kind of, you know. How do say you mean that? To, that's the new big body Brady is looking for over the middle uh, and out in the flat because 
Gronk, I mean, he took a hit in the hip on Sunday, and he got up the same way we all do when we fall asleep in a chair after a big nap and a couple of drinks at a holiday get-together. It was slow. It was, uh, we heard bones cracking. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do the same things that I'm he used to. I'm falling, and I can't <laughs> He may up. have to start wearing a medical <laughs> alert bracelet. That, that was him, wasn't it? I could, yeah. A li- yeah. Life alert. A life alert, yeah. He may have to go life alert. But Josh Gordon now can put himself, I mean, look at the size of the guy. So he's 6'4", 230. He's, he's, this he's, he's bigger than you think. He is. He's almost like what I feel like LeBron would look like in football pants. Right, right. He is a, he's a big guy. Uh, Pats you need are, a moment? No, I'm good. I, I just uh, I had a drink and a smoke before I got in. <laughs> uh, but I like the way the Pats are playing. The physical game in December sets, sets the tone and suits them well right now. Exactly. And Pittsburgh can't get out of their own way. Right. Now the Pats can win out and, and get at least City a two. And Kansas just lost one of their three best players. Correct. And their schedule is more difficult than the Patriots' it's schedule the rest of the way. It's all breaking New England's oh, way I, again. Can you imagine how people are going to open up their presents and be like, oh, good, I got what I wanted for Christmas, but the blank, blank Patriots are probably going to get the number one seed because they have the Jets on the 30th and Kansas City had a hiccup game. And I and I like Houston, but raise your hand if you really believe they're going to win a playoff game in Gillette. Uh, no one? Ple- Bueller? Nope. Bueller? Fry? Fry? No one. Yeah. See, I it's amazing because you could just throw out everything that worried everybody all year, and you wake up, it's December, they look like the Patriots For, look And in from December. a Patriot perspective, when you talk about the schedule, you look at that game at Pittsburgh. That's what we've been looking to for weeks, right? Yep. And then you wake up in the morning, and you're like, oh, but what about we got to go to Pittsburgh? And then you remember Mike Tomlin's coaching that team. And, and like, everything's all right. And they've lost the last two, so it's not even as important as it was going to be, right? No, they, they could lose that game and still end up getting the two seed. The Pats easily, yes, because the Chiefs can win out, and the Chargers can win out, and the Chargers can have a better record, and the Pats get the two seed. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. they can have that hiccup. They just have to not go down to Miami this weekend, where Brady, a state where Brady has a losing record, and just have seven one of those. and nine. I just looked it up for the story I'm writing for the Athletic. Jeff Fisher's favorite record. <laughs> He's got more losses. In Hard Rock Stadium, pro player Joe Robbie, whatever Jimmy they're Buffett calling it today, yeah. Dolphin Stadium. He had four names. You understand? Mm-hmm. Four names. Uh, doesn't even look like it once it's four, did. I know. He has more losses in that stadium, nine, than he has anywhere else by a couple. I think Denver, yeah. he's, he's lost in Denver seven times. Mm-hmm. He is seven and nine as the quarterback of the Patriots in Miami, including four of the last five years they've lost down there. Yeah, and last last year's Monday night game was the most non-competitive I've seen the Patriots. Right. He threw prior two bad picks, year. did he not? Yeah, Xavier Howard, that yes. kid had his that cornerback had his coming Who's up. Who's good? He, he has good seven picks this year. He's going to the Pro Bowl. Let me ask you a question. I got asked on the radio, and we're going to go back to the Mike McCarthy situation, and 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 add in Josh McDaniels, okay? Because I think Josh McDaniels is going to be a candidate in Green Bay and Cleveland. To be honest, I mm-hmm. think there's 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 check marks for both. Which opening? is more attractive. And I know it took me a minute, but I know where I landed. Green Bay or Cleveland, if you're, if you're Josh McDaniels or you're somebody else on their way up and can pick between those two. Straight up? Yep. Cleveland. Cleveland, I agree. Cleveland. And that was just said by both of our mouths. And I said it would have sounded ludicrous to even entertain it a year ago right now, maybe even – six weeks ago, mm-hmm. but if you think about it and you say Baker Mayfield's whole career and you could have a part in molding it or 
you go join a 35-year-old, soon-to-be 36, Aaron Rodgers, who kind of likes to do things his own way. Yep. He's improvisational, which is a gift that gives a lot, but also sometimes causes trouble. His health has started being a little bit of a question in, what, two of the last three years? Mm-hmm. Or two, last two years. Tis a, well, a wee bit fragile. And um, in Cleveland, if you ever won, you would walk on water. And he's an Ohio guy. He's an Ohio guy. That's where the, that's where the family's from. If he's going to uproot the family... After pulling the old one-two switcheroo on Chris Ballard and the Colts, which seems like a situation that would have fit him well, good quarterback, offensive weapons, young defense, and Frank Reich's doing a good, fine job. Good place to raise a family. Yep. Uh, well. well, I mean, that's yeah, what people yeah, say. The yeah, Heartland's a good... I, mean, I like the burgers there, but that's good, about it. Yeah, Heartland's. Yeah, exactly. Do you like milk? Exactly. <laughs> Do you like dairy products? Good. Same thing with Wisconsin. Cleveland, though, go back and be that hometown hero. After he pulled the one-two switcheroo on the Colts, it seemed like he was going to stay here, head coach and waiting. Potentially, is there some sort of like tacit under-the-table under agreement to replace Belichick one day? I don't know. But to have a 23-year-old quarterback who is on the rise, a couple of defensive pillars. Miles Garrett. Yeah. Yeah, you got Jabril Peppers back there, the, uh, the cornerback that they drafted first yeah. round this year. There's Ward. some playmakers. Ward. Right? Ward, that's right. Exactly. Denzel Ward. That's a team to build with. If you go to Green Bay, you're saying, I got this, I can win this within two years. I'm uh, not sure. I'm not sure. And then you have to shepherd a rebuild there. I'll pass. And Al Paso, Texas. You're not completely sure how the new power structure is organized in terms of lines of authority. There's Mark Murphy, he's team president, CEO. Mm-hmm. Then there's Brian. Gutekunst, the new GM, but he's not going to have final Easily say. Easily the most Midwestern name of all <laughs> yes, time. Yes, he's very Wisconsin. He's not going to have final say on hiring the coach. Uh, you got you got Rodgers, who has his own independent power base. Right. I'm not sure, if you're Josh McDaniels or you're another attractive candidate, I'm not sure you look at that and say, I want to jump in the middle of that before I would try Cleveland, which I don't know if John Dorsey is is you know is, is going to be a great tenure long term in Cleveland but I certainly like the, some of the moves he's made so far and I think he has a pretty good handle on what a good football player looks like was that clickbait or fake news I read yesterday where John Dorsey wants to get in on Mike McCarthy early I don't know it makes a lot of sense there's a ton of ties in the Browns front office um, remember he has Elliot Wolf there so there's a lot of people in Cleveland in the in the uh uh power offices now that know uh, McCarthy and and let this was pointed out McCarthy did his best work with young quarterbacks he helped kind of develop Rodgers when it was still Brett Favre's team Mm -hmm. Um, he worked with uh, Aaron Brooks in New Orleans and got a pretty good quarterback job there with him two or three years but I did but there's also this too what is the Mike McCarthy coaching tree it's Ben McAdoo and it's Joe Philbin. You know what I mean? Like people that have splintered off and gone yeah. elsewhere. That's not much. That's no, that's not. That's right. not. Um, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily lead my LinkedIn page with that. I, I think in Cleveland, though, they're always desperate for the, the scent of, of a winner. And McCarthy's resume, as Tony points out, I mean, there are not many Super Bowl winning coaches just cast out. They usually end in the season, right. Or... They're not usually available. You're, you know, they're like Parcells. They they go and, you know, decide when they want the job. Or you know, a, a Pete Carroll, I guess today. But he, I think, in a lot of ways, 
he would be attractive to Cleveland as a safe choice. But people in Green Bay would laugh at that and say that his offense has gotten stale and predictable, and you know that's the last thing Baker Mayfield needs. Do you place more blame at the feet of Aaron Rodgers or Mike McCarthy for what happened? McCarthy, but again, you got to find a way to motivate that team. It's a shelf to not life. Lose to the Cardinals. It's a shelf life issue. I just think there's just a law of diminishing returns in the NFL. If you've been a coach in one place for a long time, you know we saw it with Andy Reid, we saw it with Billick. It might happen to Harbaugh. I just, I really think Lamar Jackson might be saving Harbaugh's job. Yeah, I, I, I think he is. Yeah, and I, and I think. You know, the Dallas triplets are saving Jason Garrett's job yep. at this point. Um, I'm wondering if Jameis Winston is saving Dirk Cutter's job because there's another guy who looks like he's pulling it out of the fire at the last instant. No one said they can't score. No. No one, said, no one, said, no one ever said the Tampa they, wasn't fun to watch. They, they just, needed to stop turning the ball over, and he, they have for two And weeks. then Cam Newton said, you know what? How about I'll borrow all those turnovers from you guys and I'll throw four inexplicable interceptions on a Sunday. Another quick topic on the coaching front. Is Ron Rivera feeling the pressure big time, somewhat? He fired two defensive assistants yesterday, including Brady Hoke, Mm -hmm. uh, his D-line coach. And I get the sense that David Tepper, the new owner, who walked in the door lavishly praising Ron Rivera, is not going to panic and overreact with a losing season if that's where we're headed in Carolina. However, four straight losses in the NFL can change your world and turn it and rock it, turn real, it upside real down. Real quick. Yeah. You think he's in trouble? I don't think so. I don't either. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I mean, because he he didn't he didn't throw all those picks. They've uh, the game that the game where Carolina has c- came undone. That undressing they took on Thursday Pittsburgh. night football from Pittsburgh. They've that, never recovered. No. I mean, they have been tailspun, if that's the word yeah. to use. They they just have not been able to get out of that spiral. I think they should have kicked the extra point. Was it Detroit instead of go for two? Mm-hmm. That was a call that gets bigger all the time. Right now, that's it. That's it. His yeah, that was his call, and um, it didn't work out. That and, wasn't too pretty. And he didn't stop. You know, I've said this a, a million times. It's it's all about stopping the bleeding. If you're a coach in the NFL, and he cannot stop the bleeding. I don't right know now. what the styptic pencil, if you will, yeah. is for when your team is just in a a, a turnaround and they don't seem like they believe in themselves the same way that they did prior to that game because they had a head of steam and then they lost it. Momentum's everything. Speaking of which, uh, as we look to week 14, I feel like the good weeks in football are dictated by good Thursday night football games yep. this year, which makes me think that we're not going to necessarily have the greatest. <laughs> You're not excited about Jacksonville, Tennessee? Uh, yeah, boy. that could be ugly. That's not the way you want. That's not the tempo set. The Cody, pace car. A confident Cody Kessler led the Jaguars down the field. I, I don't want to watch Cody it Kessler. It was the dawn of the Cody Kessler era. In fact, if you can tell me which Marcus Mariota is going to show up, because he can look awful, and then, mm-hmm. he can, and then he can be fun to watch for about a quarter and a half. And then if you're Mike Vrabel, do you think, you know what? I got, I got, a lot of, I got some studs on offense, and I got some really good – I got some fast players on defense – I wonder if I can get out from underneath this kid and just get like Billy Volek 2.0 and just get someone in here to sling it <laughs> for me. I, I, I was a fan of Billy Volek. Billy Volek reference. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they're ready to get out from under Mariota just yet. Yeah. I know it's been five years and he's in the same situation as Winston, but he did take him to the playoffs at least once last year. And um, this is this is the fourth year, I believe. So there'll be a fifth year option next year for. Oh, is this for the Mariota? fourth? Yeah. What year did they come out? Uh, Fifteen. 15, 16, yep. 17. Same You're right. With They're headed into mm-hmm. their fifth year. Yeah. Right. Right. But they picked up his option. They did not with Jameis, correct? Mm. All right. I feel, I I guess feel like that's. I guess, 
I guess they're buyers. Yeah. What else we got this week? Um, there's not a ton no. of great Saints games. Buccaneers. Believe it or not, probably the most watchable game this week. I got Saints Buccaneers. Wow. And then Eagles Cowboys. Well, yeah, I was gonna say Eagles Cowboys. I mean, yeah. that's the NF. That's the game that will decide the NFC East. Nope. Nope. Just no. Just all. Just no. Hit <laughs> that one in the in the bird, so to speak. Um, <laughs> yeah, Eagles win. They're they're probably in in command of that division, even though they'd be tied and split the season series. But they'd have the path, and then the Cowboys win. I think it's pretty much over. All right, people that you know, for for those of us who celebrate the Christmas, you, the tree is probably already up. But in case it's not, and you want to leave the television on all day as you shop, or perhaps as you go go out and about your errands, come home, do a little decorating. There's a good 1 o'clock game, Saints-Buccaneers. There's one good 4 o'clock game, Eagles-Cowboys. Then you have a good 8 o'clock game, so a, your Sunday is a set. A great Sunday night game, yeah. Rams and Bears. And then Bears. Monday night, there's high watchability with Vikings oh. fighting for their playoff life against the surging Seahawks of Seattle. That, I mean, to me, that is, that's Minnesota's season. They have to – that's must-win time because otherwise – And watch, the, just when we think that's, that's enough from them, they'll – They'll somehow put they'll, pull, they'll put on their best performance of the season. But again, they could lose, and if the Packers had just gotten their blank together, yep. then they still could have been a wild card. You know team. who's been gifted, and I don't mean to cheapen what they've done, but the Bears have been gifted a division this, this season. Like, the Lions were never in it. The Packers just self-immolated. The Vikings have struggled to find any consistency. Yep. And by default, Chicago's played really good football, defensively especially, and they're going to win that division. Chase Daniels, uh, again, Chase Daniels. Mm. Back, uh, he's I not know. starting. I think the more he plays, the more we realize why he's been a backup all these years. Yeah. Like He he did a few things, but I, I, I watched a good bit of that game. What's and, going on with Trubisky's shoulder? I don't know. Harrison Smith heard it two weeks yeah. ago, and it's he's turning into kind of like a lingering Tannehill type The injury. Vikings love taking out NFC North quarterbacks. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they really do. From Barr to Smith, they just – they. They hit hard. Yep. They hit like that Minnesota winter. They leave a mark. All right. Tony Dungy was our guest today on the Cover 2 podcast. Uh, looking forward to week 14, but it's going to be hard to top week 13. That was a uh, intriguing week that we did not have uh, a shortage of topics to talk about. Thanks for joining us. For our uh, producer, Kevin Collins, my co-host, Nick Stevens, I'm Don Banks. We will talk at you again next week on the Cover 2 podcast. Take care. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's a touchdown and a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.